0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents the Letters of Saint Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction, according to the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word Television Network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. The Letters of St. Therese of Lesseaux with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. We are exploring the beautiful life of St. Therese through her letters. And where do we find ourselves now?
1: Well, we'll start at the very beginning, the first of Therese's letters. This is taken from the first of two volumes in which her complete correspondence is given to us. And we have the letters to Therese. We have Therese's own letters. And we also have other letters from family members or people close to Therese where they write about Therese. So it's a treasure trove, really, of access to Therese in some wonderful ways as her life unfolds through the years of her life. This is found in two volumes. It's a total of 1,365 pages. Extremely well done, as I said earlier. This is an English translation of volumes that were put together as Therese, the centenary of her birth, approached. She was born in 1873, As 1973 approached, the Carmelites, together with various scholars, put together a team to do a complete and critical publication of all of her writings. And magnificent, absolutely magnificent work was done. And the more recent publications that we have of the story of a soul, and of course these letters and others of her writings, depend on that uh, exhaustive French edition that was done at the time. So that's the origin of what we have.
0: Just to remind everyone that the letters were placed and brought forward, what, 20-some years before her being elevated a doctor of the church.
1: That's right. As I said earlier in these conversations, I think anyone who has loved the story of a soul, read the other primary sources, and wishes there was more, and has a little bit of courage to go through this many pages, that the letters would be the next step if you really want to pursue it. Well, uh, just for kind of fun in a way, we'll start with the very first of Therese's letters. And uh, she is four years old at this time. And uh, her older sister Pauline has Therese in her lap. Pauline is writing a letter to a school friend of hers, a woman, a young girl named Louise. And Pauline finishes her letter and then takes Therese, uh, holds Therese's hand to guide her as she writes so that Therese can add this little letter to the letter that Pauline has already written to Louise, and so this is the letter. Dear little Louise, I don't know you, but I love you very much just the same. Pauline told me to write you. She is holding me on her knees because I don't know how to hold a pen. She wants me to tell you that I'm a lazy little girl, but this isn't true because I work all day long playing tricks on my poor little sisters. So I'm a little rascal who is always laughing. Adieu, little Louise. I'm sending you a big kiss. Kiss the visitation for me. That is Sister Marie Aloysia, who was the superior, and Sister Louise de Bonzag, so she gets the name wrong, who was the directress of the school, for I don't know anyone else, signed Therese. So that's just a young girl's letter held by her sister. All right, we're going to cross then a large margin of time for the next letter. We are now 11 years later. And an awful lot has happened in Teresa's life in the meantime. She is in the Carmel now, at an April 9th of 1888, at 15 years she has entered the Carmel, and it is now July 31st when she writes this letter. So she's been in the Carmel about three and a half months. And what she's going to do in this letter? This is a letter to her father, Louis. This will be our first illustration of again this remarkable sensitivity in Therese to others and what's in their hearts and what their needs are and reaching out with such sensitivity and delicacy and tenderness to meet the needs of others. So she is the 16-year-old writing to her father, but she's really writing for his sake because she knows how painful this separation is for him. Read just a a little line from a letter that her father wrote this is one of the few letters of her father that we have she entered the carmel on april 9th a day later her father writes to a friend down in Alonson, and included in the letter is this therese my little queen which was his he had a nickname for each of the of the girls uh, marie for example was the diamond because she was strong and pauline was the pearl because she was such a, he was a jeweler, you know, you get jeweler's names and so on. And Therese he called his queen. Therese, my little queen, entered Carmel yesterday! Exclamation point. God alone could demand such a sacrifice. She's often called the Benjamin in the correspondence, the one that's so dear to her father's heart in a way that everyone knew was special. And already two of his daughters have left. Leonie very much is trying. She fails three times, but she's trying to enter religious life. And now the one who is dearest to his heart has just left him, gone to the Carmel. God alone could demand such a sacrifice, and we really need to hear those words. But he's helping me so powerfully that through my tears, my heart abounds with joy. which gives us just a a window into the measure of the man. You have that powerful scene where Therese asks his permission to enter the Carmel. It's the preceding Pentecost. And, you know, if you go to visit her home in uh, Lisieux, there in the garden behind the house, there's a statue that commemorates this. You see her and her father seated on a bench, and she is leaning her head against him, and she has just told him about entering the Carmel. Maybe, uh, Maybe we could read this from the story of a soul, just as a background to this letter. So... It's very clear to Therese now that she wants to enter the Carmel. She hopes to enter the following year at Christmas, uh, later that year at Christmas at the age of 15. And she has to ask her father about this. She needs his permission. And it's not going to be easy because she knows the bond of love that's there. I chose the Feast of Pentecost as the day to break the news all day long, begging the apostles to pray for me, to inspire me with the right words shouldn't they help the timid child who was chosen by God to be the apostle of apostles through her prayers and sacrifices in Carmel? I found the opportunity to speak to my dear little father. Often you'll see this little used in the correspondence. It's an endearing diminutive, like Johnny, you know, instead of John and so on. So that's the significance of it. It's an endearment found the opportunity to speak to my dear little father only in the afternoon after Vespers. He was seated by the well, contemplating marvels of nature with his hands joined. The sun, whose rays had lost their ardor, gilded the high tree tops where little birds were joyfully chanting their evening song. You know, when I read this, I'm a writer. This is pretty good writing, just as writing, to describe a scene. And Therese wrote this in odd moments seated sort of half seated on this little kneeling half kneeling half seating bench that she would have in her cell just as she got odd moments to do this and actually there are no erasures no corrections she simply wrote uh, this just was flowing from her as she wrote but i was struck just by the caliber of her writing even as writing you know papa's handsome face had a heavenly expression about it giving me the feeling that peace flooded his heart Without saying a word, I sat down by his side, my eyes already wet with tears. He gazed at me tenderly, and taking my head, he placed it on his heart, saying, What's the matter, my little queen? Tell me. Then, rising as though to hide his own emotion, he walked while still holding my head on his heart. Through my tears, I confided my desire to enter Carmel, and soon his tears mingled with mine. He didn't say one word to turn me from my vocation, simply contenting himself with the statement that I was still very young to make such a serious decision. I defended myself so well that with Papa's simple and direct character, he was soon convinced that my desire was God's will, and in his deep faith he cried out that God was giving him a great honor and asking his children from him. As I say, you can't go very far in this whole story without touching heroism. We continued our walk for a long time, and encouraged by the kindness with which my incomparable father received my confidences, my heart poured itself out to him. Papa seemed to be rejoicing with that joy that comes from a sacrifice already made. He spoke just like a saint, and I'd love to recall his words and write them down, but all I preserved of them is a memory too sacred to be expressed. What I do recall, however, is a symbolic action my dear king performed not realizing its full meaning. Going up to a low wall, he pointed to some little white flowers, like lilies in miniature, and plucking one of them, he gave it to me, explaining the care with which God brought it into being and preserved it just to that very day. While I listened, I believed I was hearing my own story. So the little flower, you can you can see it there. So great was the resemblance between what Jesus had done for the little flower and little Therese. I accepted it as a relic and noticed that in gathering it, Papa had pulled all its roots out without breaking them. It seemed destined to live on in another soil more fertile than the tender moss where it had spent its first days. And in fact, she kept that flower for the rest of her life. Now, that gives us a background to this letter. Uh, Her father, with great faith, but with deep, deep, deep human sorrow, has accepted his daughter's vocation to the Carmel, and three and a half months earlier saw her essentially for the last time, because from then on they could meet in the speak room of the Carmel, but there was a grill between the sisters and the people in the outer parlor so that they at best would see them very faintly. And of course, chances simply to be with her in the way that was so dear to both of them were gone at this point. So Therese, knowing her father's suffering, she writes this letter, my dear king, so these are the names they call each other. She is his queen, and he is her king. If you knew the pleasure your carp, your monster, which is underlined, gave us. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Louis was a great fisherman. He loved to fish. And he uh, already at Alençon and later when they went to Lisieux and the, his daughters and to the Carmel, he would bring his catch to these sisters Part of their life was that they could not eat meat. So they never ate meat, but they could eat fish. So this was a real treat for the sisters in the various convents when he would bring these fish to them. To us, it sounds kind of like a simple thing. He caught some fish, he brought them. But it was really quite a treat and something special for the sisters. And he would do this routinely. So what pleasure your fish gave us. The dinner was held back for half an hour. Marie of the Sacred Heart, so that's his oldest daughter, made the sauce, and it was delicious. It tasted like, and she quotes the French here, la cuisine du monde. It was even better than the sumptuous cuisine d'Italie. And that is not saying little. For what banquets and what company? Do you remember, little father? So she's referring to the pilgrimage uh, that they made to Rome, where they experienced in the various hotels where they stayed, you know, the, the marvelous cuisine, and uh, you know the very well prepared food, and so she is reminding her father of that trip and saying this tasted even better than all of that. But it isn't always that that gives appetite, at least to me, for I haven't eaten so much since I've been in Carmel. I feel that I am entirely in my element. So I'm three and a half months into the Carmel, if Mademoiselle Pauline, friend of the family from Alençon, Were here, she would say that, quote, I have found my way. Your diamond can't write you diamond, is their father's nickname for Marie, the oldest, for she is doing the washing. But this doesn't stop her from thinking of you, dear little father. Now, you can already see that this letter is, as I said before, it's entirely other-centered. Very little said about her, and what she says about herself is only to put her father at ease, to know that things are well with her. And not everything was easy from her. As she says in the story of a soul, when the doors to Carmel opened to her, she opened her arms to receive suffering. And so things were never easy for her. But her whole focus and intention in in this letter is to lift up her father's heart. Now, she's obviously saying the truth when she says, I'm in my element here, Uh, profoundly so, but uh, there's no word of any struggles or sufferings that may have been there. She kisses you with her whole heart, and this is Marie, and you know that the heart of your biggest daughter is not little. I think of all you used to say to us frequently, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, vanity of life which passes, etc. Probably quoting from The Imitation of Christ, which, of course, quoting from Koheleth, you know, Vanity of Vanities. Louis knew the imitation well. Therese actually had it basically memorized. It got to be kind of a, a, even before she entered, when they were in the speak room visiting with her older sisters, the um, uh, uh, others of the nuns would ask her to quote a given passage, and she could do it by memory. She really, really assimilated that book deeply. The more I live, this is a 16-year-old, the more I live, the more I find this is true, that all is vanity on this earth. When I think of you, dear little father, I naturally think of God, for it seems to me that it is impossible to see anyone more holy than you on the earth, and that was very sincere. She and and all of her sisters really felt that kind of veneration for both parents, actually. When I think that in a week it will be four months since I am in Carmel, I can't get over it. It seems to me that I have always been here, and on the other hand, it seems that my entrance was yesterday, how everything passes." The more I live, dear little father, the more I love you. And that's what she wants, above all, to convey to the heart of this father, who she knows loves her so deeply and misses her, uh, willingly gave her to God, but not without great sacrifice. I don't know how this can be, but it is the truth. And I wonder what this will be at the end of my life, if I just keep loving you more and more like this. I am very proud of my title of Queen of France and Navarre, I hope to merit it always. Jesus, the King of Heaven, when taking me for himself, has not taken me away from my holy King on earth. Oh, no. Always, if my dear little father wills it and does not find me too unworthy, I shall remain Papa's queen. The bright pearl, which is Louise's nickname for Pauline, the bright pearl hugs you very tightly, underlined. Adieu and see you soon, dear King. See you soon because... They were allowed weekly visits for a half hour, and uh, he would come. Those would be the occasions in which her father would also make these various gifts to the Carmel. See you relatively so, because there was the grill in between. And Therese always effaced herself during these visits. Uh, she spoke little, kind of stood, kept to the back. But there was at least that much contact on a weekly basis.
0: We'll return to the Letters of St. Teresa Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the discerning hearts free app this also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers including the holy rosary and stations of the cross the chaplet of saint michael and the seven sorrows of our lady all available on the discerning hearts free app visit the itunes and google play app stores to obtain your free discerning hearts app today A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, Fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, And by his very life, he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to the letters of Saint Therese of the Sioux with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: This next letter is a letter that Therese writes to her sister Celine for Celine's birthday. Celine is turning 20. Therese, four years younger, is 16 at this time. And things have changed dramatically in the intervening time with regard to the preceding letter. Their father is now gravely ill. And it's a mental illness, uh, various strokes, to such a point that finally they followed the advice of their uncle, who was now kind of the man of the family, their father having fallen ill this way, that he needed to be placed in an institution that was run by uh, some sisters, and this was in Cannes, this, this small city, and Bon Sauveur, the good savior, where people who had mental disabilities would be placed. It was incredibly painful and incredibly humiliating for Therese and her sisters just to see their father, whom they loved so much, suffering this way. And also because people voiced around the fact that it was their departure from home that led to this illness. And so it was this man who had been revered by all, and they were considered by all as a saint and a patriarch, Uh, so esteemed by the sisters themselves in Carmel and in general, was now looked at very differently, as one who had to be placed in an institution because he was mentally ill. They themselves not only suffered to see him in this situation, but themselves were the object of gossiping and words that they were in some real measure responsible for this.
0: Yes, I I think it would be very difficult because... The family, as you said before, lived in another town and were much more involved with the community. But after the mother's death, they moved to Lasu, and there the community may not have known them as well. So as the, the girls left, can we maybe understand it today? Maybe he you said a series of strokes is it possible that he began to show signs of dementia or is that how we would understand what he was going through
1: oh oh, oh, very very definitely and dramatically so the reason why they felt that finally he had to be put in the institution was that uh, he began to just disappear at times and nobody knew where he was and finally this went on for some days and they when they finally found him because he had contacted them he needed money so that's how they were able to trace him he had a revolver and so they realized that given his mental condition you know who who knows if he felt that his daughters were being threatened who knew knew what could happen so it just seemed necessary that because nobody else there was nobody else to take that kind of care of him so that's what led to it so yes it was it was um various hallucinations and things of this sort. So it was, it was quite serious.
0: It's uh, very telling, isn't it? It's there for the grace of God go I and how they reached out to those prior who were suffering, who were in such states, and they cared and they loved him, and now here he was, someone very similar in condition.
1: It was very humiliating for him, What happened was the two sisters who were not in the Carmel, Céline and Léonie, went to live in a a convent nearby this institution. They were only allowed to visit him once a week, but they did that, and they stayed there for quite some time, until finally it became apparent that they weren't actually having much more contact than if they traveled from time to time there. But in the letters that Celine wrote to the sisters, her sisters in Carmel, she would describe various things said by the sisters who cared for their father. They all loved him. They even saw him as exercising a kind of ministry amongst the others who were there. But he said, all of that might be true, but this is not where I want to be. It was humiliating for him to be there and away from his family as well. So it was a very, very severe trial. Uh, Therese writes about it in terms of anguish and her sister Celine. The correspondence between the two of them during this time, uh, Celine sharing all of the news of her father with the other sisters and kind of being the point person, the burden and, and really the, the heartache and suffering of this, and then the resonance of this in the heart of the sisters in the Carmel and their helplessness to do anything about it. It was uh, a, a really a very, very severe trial for them.
0: Yeah I I can't help but have that image and maybe you think I'm being overly dramatic but that the sisters Celine and Leonie went to be near him almost it reminds me of that scene in the Passion of the Christ where Mary is she goes down towards the ground of the floor and Jesus is below where he is being kept a prisoner and even though they can't communicate she needed to be near him and what great love that those girls representing the family needed to be near where their father was. So many today, Father Gallagher, are going through the same thing, the same type of suffering, challenge, in the heart of families that love each other. But they have a parent who is always active, vibrant, are now finding themselves in challenging in situations they are not where they want to be.
1: No, it was very hard for them, and he had to stay there until finally his legs became basically paralyzed enough so that he couldn't move, and at that point he could come back home because there was no longer any danger of any harm happening in one way or the other. So he did return home toward the end. In the meantime, they had sold the family home because there was nobody living there anymore, and they found another place where he spent his last few years of his life well cared for, well loved, but increasingly uh, diminished. It was a, a great, great sorrow for Therese that the final time she would have actually been able to embrace her father. This was when she received the veil after her final vows. The, re, the, the vows themselves were a private ceremony in the um, choir area of the monastery, but then there was a public ceremony when the sister received the black veil of, of the Carmelite habit. And for that ceremony, it was the final time that uh, the one receiving the veil would go into the church itself. And of course, she had deeply hoped that her father would be there. And for a final time, she could actually embrace him. But uh, the family just realized it was, it was impossible. He just was, would not be up to it. And there was no telling what kind of scene he might have made and so on. So uh, that was a final sacrifice that she had to make.
0: We'll continue this conversation with Father Timothy Gallagher in our next episode. You've been listening to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher.